Praise God. Hey, that it? Oh, there you go. Hey, how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing praise well, Pastor. God. Oh, praise the Lord. It was a long day yesterday. Hallelujah. So, Eric, we was in Guadalajara, yep, Mexico. That's where we were. And uh, so uh, they aren't watching us today, are they? I don't think so. Well, you never know. There are hour well, difference, but I, I had think the so. worst food in the world besides what I've had at home. But usually I really like Mexican, but, but it was nothing was settling for me. So, uh, but we went there and we were in two different churches. Two different churches, you bet. Uh, one church was just about a year old, Pastor. Yeah. The other one's been there for about eight years. Uh-huh. Uh, they weren't mega churches. Usually we go to Mexico, we're going to minister in front of four and five and six and seven thousand people, potentially one single church. We wanted to go to another spot that, so we could be a blessing to this church. And Pastor Tim Oss, that we know and love very, very much, has over close to 500 of Faith, Hope, and Love Centers all over the nation of Mexico. He has over like close to about 500,000 people under his leadership. <clears throat> and so he asked us to go there, asked Pastor to go there because he wanted to have miracle services. And, of course, we accepted. So it wasn't, you know, oftentimes we come up here and I share about 30,000 people come to Christ or 51,000 come to Christ. Well, we had about 350, 400 people come to Christ. Um, yeah. But when we're going to, amen, you know, angels cool. rejoice over one, so we're, we're excited about that. But we went there specifically to plant a seed, to be a blessing, to show, demonstrate the miraculous, knowing that if we did that, that people would come to Christ. And the churches grew by over a third in two different locations. It, yeah. Pastor Tim was just so amazed by, I mean, just it was wonderful to see those hands come up, people come forward to receive Christ. And we saw so many miracles every yeah. single night. The first yep. night, Pastor, I remember you praying for a woman that was paralyzed because of a stroke. Uh, pastor prays for her. She gets her mobility back. She stands up in front of the entire church, begins to walk. Several blind people that night were also got their eyesight back. And I remember the second night, we had three people there in wheelchairs. And, uh, you know, various had cartilage issues and, and knees and, and, and legs. One woman had a rod in her leg that couldn't walk. Well, all three got up that night and walked in front of the entire congregation. God had healed them and set them free. It was a great, great time. That, that lady got healed and kept following me around the congregation. I she wasn't saved. She doesn't know church protocol. Yeah, so she doesn't know nothing. After she, getting her miracle, she starts tapping Pastor on the shoulder as he's talking to other people and saying, go pray for this person now. I kept yeah. ma'am, ma'am, please go back said, to your seat. I don't speak Spanish. So I'm trying to be intervene. Get out of here. But... Pastor prayed for several of her yeah. of her family, her husband, yeah, who got who got got a miracle as well. I think a grandchild, a daughter as well. But it was a great it was a great great three days of miracles, yeah. Pastor. I know um, that little child that he prayed for that last night. I'm sorry, the second night there was a little baby about one years of one year of age. Of course, I know child, children typically begin to walk right towards maybe. 18 months, maybe longer, somewhere there. This child was probably about 12, maybe 13 months old. Well, her legs were bowed in. It wasn't just bowed in. Her feet were twisted inward. And the mother, you know, cries and tells Pastor's story. Well, Pastor prays for her and puts that child down. That child began to walk. I was just, I was, I watched that child the whole rest of the night for like the next 35, 40 minutes because that child was walking everywhere. And I thought, I could, my daughters couldn't walk at age one. I mean, it was maybe, say, 18, 19 months. But God touched that, that little girl's child. The legs went straight. She began to walk. The mother, of course, was just rejoicing. And I think one thing that blessed me that night, too, you, had, you prayed for a child, Pastor, about maybe eight years old, nine years old, a little boy. And he began to pre-praise for him. He had really bad eyes. I could barely see it at all. 
and doctors had, had done what they could, but there was nothing else they could do. Well, pastor prays for him. He sees clearly. Then the very next night, the he, child comes he back. He had a eye deformity. Yeah, some kind of degeneration, right? Yeah, eye degeneration. Couldn't, couldn't focus or see or anything, and we prayed for him. And yeah. His eyeballs got big. And he had a big smile on his face, and his mother began to cry and, of course, embraced him. Well, pastor, the very next night, the first thing he calls out for is people that has eye trouble. And he says, that little boy here last night that was here the second night, and he said, and the little boy comes with a big smile on his face, walking forward. He said, you know what, you're going to be a miracle worker tonight. And he asked him, he prays for, he, he has a little child pray for uh, a woman. She gets her eyesight back. Then another child had issues with seeing as well. He prayed for the child. The child got his eyesight back. So that was wonderful. And I think the one thing that blessed me the most, we had a, we went to the, the pastor, Pastor Max, that we went to, wonderful man of God, was called to the, nation, the city of Guadalajara, came from a great church in Monterey, Mexico. Um, about, uh, it was in 2020, he fell off a roof 40 feet and should have died. He landed, he landed on his left leg, shattered yeah. everything, um, and of course, um, uh, he had, they, had, they had put a titanium rod in his left leg. The bones didn't fuse back together, so the bones in his leg were, were separated. And so he, he, could, he had no really no real strong mobility. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't stand his leg at all. Well, the pastor said, I'm going to believe God for a miracle for you. That, and then the last night, the man had to walk on crutches, obviously, just to get around. It was a miracle live. He hit his head. He had, a, he had experience. He went to heaven, shared that with yeah. us. And I thought, my goodness, this was like, I didn't want to go to service because I wanted to hear that story. Yeah. But uh, he had a real Jesus experience. And, of course, he came back to earth. And um, such joy. I've never, I, you know, after all the trials and tribulations he went through, that man had a smile on his face. When time, I saw him the time we walked oh, out of the church every other yeah. time. Well, yeah. God touched his leg. Pastor prays for him, and he said he felt fire going down his legs. Now, his titanium rod, like I said, had broken, and his bones were still broken. He was supposed to have a surgery coming up next month. Well, he said he felt fire. He began to walk in front of that congregation. He could not walk. He had no, he had no ability to keep his leg without collapsing on him, without those crutches. And he walked after, after prayer. And then he came to the restaurant our last night. And he's walking, the rest, walking into the restaurant yep. without no his crutches. crutches. Yep. His wife was just had you know, smiles on her face. But that's the power of God. And we saw so many yep. people being healed, delivered, and set free at churches. We always say, again, without you, we couldn't yep. do it. Thank yep. you for your prayers, your support. You know, we're your embassies. You know, when we get to heaven someday, there's going to be a lot of Brazilians and Mexicans and Filipinos and yep. Italians thanking you for allowing us to go all over the world. Because yep. you are making a difference through yep. allowing us to go and do what we do. Yeah, you can uh, you can imagine that little boy that couldn't see, people that couldn't walk, and people couldn't hear, and uh, just to see them touched and healed, you know, you you can't put a price on that. It it would I don't know how much two new eyeballs cost, but that little kid got it and. So I said, from now on, you go out and you pray for blind people, and That's then you right. bring him to church. That's right. He said, okay. And uh, so he'll be a great miracle worker. Amen. Praise God. So that's where Eric and I was, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we were traveling all day Saturday. All right, so praise God. Hey, thank you, Eric. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be home. Ah, uh, yeah, right. I'm glad, Phyllis. You always tell me when I go, you're having a vacation. Because you don't have to clean. You don't have to do nothing. So thank God. Hallelujah. That helps the dogs around our neighborhood not to have stomach problems. Praise the Lord. 
So I'm going to preach today about Jesus. You know, the Greek came and they said, we would see Jesus. And so really what they were saying, where is he? Well, where is Jesus in the messes of our life? I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus, my life was a mess. Phyllis told me, if you don't get help, I'm going to divorce you. And for some unknown reason, I, I went and got help. So that everybody doesn't make right decisions under pressure. But I love Phyllis with all my heart. And I believe that she's one of the great saving factors of my salvation. And uh, so, but when I got saved, I had a mess. I mean, I had a mess. And, uh, you know, my wife was faithful to me, but I was unfaithful to her. I was doing things that just normal people don't do. And uh, it was just, a twisted life. I came from a twisted life. In some way, God took twistedness and he made it straight. And I'm forever grateful to God. I mean, I am ever grateful to the Lord. And so, I want to preach about Jesus showing up where people have messed up. You know, messes come from all different ways. They come because of bad choices, certainly. We understand that. Some come because of greed, by people taking unstable chances. It comes from unfaithfulness. It comes from people not holding any type of focus in their life or touching things they should not touch, being involved in things that they shouldn't be involved, wanting more than what life really is capable of giving them where they are. And that's what I mean by that is lots of people want things that are beyond their capacity to produce. Like, we do it all the time. We live on credit cards. What is that? That's just a mess waiting to catch up to you. But people try to have things that they just don't have the substance to lay hold of or the substance to have where they're at. Now, your faith can produce that. But if you get into the area of credit card, it will one day wake up and bite you. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it's zero. I don't care what interest is on it. It just comes. And Jesus is looking for people that are in messes. I don't know why he would do that, but he was. He said, I came that I have to go to other villages and preach and teach he said, because this is what God has appointed me to do. And he would go there and he would find people. There's a reason that Jesus walked down the road of Jericho. There's a reason that Jesus walked in 
the paths that blind Barnabas walked every day. There's a reason that Jesus walked through the neighborhood of the woman with the issue of blood. There's a reason that Jesus went to a seashore and used a man's boat named Peter. There's a reason why Jesus does what he does. And he's looking to help people because the Bible says that God had anointed him to go about healing the blind, the crippled, the lame, and to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus was a master of straightening out messed up lives. And someplace in time, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but ultimately just living in a world that is contaminated by people's messed up lives, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. You know, well, I, I ran into, into your car. Well, why? I was texting. Why? Well, my wife left me. So what's that got to do with my car? Well, I just told you I was texting. Messes will find you. Amen? Absolutely. So let's go to Proverbs, the 20th chapter in verse 22. Praise the Lord. I, I thank God that he is a mess fixer. He is a mess fixer. Hallelujah. And so many times Jesus wants to come in, but we're too busy or we're too preoccupied by everybody else's opinion and direction except God's. And we want to make sure that we allow Jesus to come in. And it says, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. <coughs> Excuse me. So, let's go back to verse 32 and do that without the sound effects. Say not thou, I will recompense, or I will give you what you gave me. I will recompense evil or wrong or hurt or insult or slander. I am going to give to you what you gave to me. But wait on the Lord. That word but is a big word. But wait on the Lord. He shall save you. And so we want to make sure that we don't try to make things right because wrong has happened to us. There is no place for retaliation or revenge in the body of Christ. There is no place for it. Returning injury or insult for that which has been given to you is the way of an evil heart. It's said there that it's evil. I won't recompense evil. In other words, the only way that we can respond to evil is to do good. Amen? 
Well, I don't know about that good stuff always works. It always works. You ought to try it. It's amazing. Now, human revenge is unacceptable by people that walk with God. It's just unacceptable. Nobody should ever see any Christian retaliating. Now, let me say this in passing. Sometimes we retaliate with enough deception that we don't even get convicted by doing it. You know, in other words, we repeat things. You say, well, I'm just letting you know. You aren't letting people know. You're trying to get vengeance. You're trying to get some evil to move their way. And that's not what Christians are created for. We are created to reveal God. We are created to unveil God's love to a loveless world. How is somebody ever going to get out of their mess if what they're doing is expressing the basis of their mess, their anger, their hurt, their discouragement, their unlucky day, whatever is going on in their life? That's why people do evil because they have never seen good. Let's show them good. Could I get an amen? All right. And then we realize, but people that are not mindful of God, even Christians, can become very vengeful and very aggressive to make sure that somebody is hurt because they did something that's not important to them. Now, here's one thing I want you to realize. If man can destroy what you've got gone, what you've got gone is probably not connected to God. I don't ever try to justify myself. I don't try to let, you know, stick up for myself. Look, everybody knows people on Facebook are talking about me. I don't care. But, well, you ought to say something. No, I had somebody call me and tell me, you ought to say something about this. I said, for what? Well, well, you know, he just saying, he just, you know what? You can't straighten out bitterness if a man does not have access to the healer of a bitter heart. You can't straighten out spiritual blindness just because people don't understand. You know, so I told one guy in uh, went behind the scenes on Messenger, I said, look, you ought to just pray for him. Pray for him. He needs a good rebuke. I said, nah, rebuke won't do him any good. You got to have an open heart to get a rebuke. And you got a hard one and you give it. All you've done is just open another can of worms. So I'm really not... Now, I, I want people to be think good of me and be kind to me and all that kind of stuff, but I really, um, I don't care. I'm here for a lifetime, a vapor. And in that vapor, I have one goal. That is to make sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and that he stays there and that I don't take any options over his will. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. 
Amen? And we all are. And so we have to make sure that we don't take matters into our own hand. If you have a reputation that has to be protected, then you need to get another reputation. All right, let's go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So let's not recompense evil for evil, but wait, wait. In other words, that word wait, if we went to Isaiah, the 40th uh, chapter in verse 29 on down through 31, it, there is a supernatural thing that takes place when you and I are waiting on the Lord. Now, you might think that we're just letting the enemy get the upper hand. We're just letting everybody spew out about all kinds of stuff. This is one thing I am convinced of. People that love you and believe in you don't listen to lies and just shameless scorning. It just, what? Who would do that? I wouldn't listen to you to complain to me about Phyllis. I've heard them all. I've said them myself. So, but you know what? We don't do that. But why do we give place to the enemy or to ill or evil when we are to wait on the Lord? Now, the word wait means to find God's purpose and way and bind yourself to it. Now, you may have to bind yourself for a period of time. I don't know what really needs to be done in the area of vengeance or recompense, but God does. And sometimes what God is doing in the time that you are waiting on the Lord, that you are refraining from taking rec recompense or recompense or vengeance is God's really trying to get something out of you. Fire is a wonderful thing. I've ate lots of hot dogs off of fire, but I've also seen houses burn to the ground. Fire is a great thing if you can use it. It can form metal. It can, you know, purify metal. It can do all of that. Or it can destroy something. But when you come under fire from somebody, whether he's demonically used or whether he's just mad, hurt, upset at the world, you know, going through a, a place that God is chastening, whatever's happening, number one, you don't know. So let's not be so quick to release a barrage of arrows upon people that have already fell prey to the devil. And so we are to bind ourselves with God. Now be patient. In other words, don't change because the adversary is changing or the hurt person is changing or the misunderstanding person is changing. This is a real problem in the world. I mean, have you ever said something and then somebody come back at you or post a post about you and the first thing you think is, well, that's not what I meant. I heard Phyllis put a thing on the post uh, on, on the Facebook and uh, she was writing and... Uh, 
I think she said, what was you talking about? Oh, Phyllis said, I found a strange dog. Found, oh, and she went to say found, and her phone died. So people started posting. <laughs> oh, bless the people's heart. People that didn't even know her, we, or we didn't know. And they said, well, how dare you put you found an effing dog? She didn't say that. She found. She found. She didn't have an effing dog. She had an F and forgot O-U-N-D dog. But see, people misunderstand. And a lot of times, people are going to do things to you because they don't understand you. Be wise enough not to fall into the trap to be offended by somebody that doesn't even know you. That doesn't even know you. Could have given amen. Absolutely. Praise God. And uh, so we want to make sure that we don't retaliate or recompense evil for evil. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Um, so do I have that on the screen? Ah, there, Hebrew. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. And it says, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Somebody say there's going to be lots of messes. Well, I don't have any messes in my life. You ought to try getting saved first person showed up at my conversion was the devil. And he told me, he said, you can't be saved. I said, well, you liar. You're a liar. I know I've been saved. And I used that all of my life for 40 years, that he was a liar. And it says, partly whilst ye were made a gaze, uh, gazing stock, both by reproaches and by afflictions, and partly while as you became companions of those that were so used. In other words, because of what you were doing and because of who you were associating with, people came against you. And then it says, For he had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. In other words, don't get off track because somebody has done you wrong. And verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence with hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. You know that having a vengeful heart, a heart that wants recompense, evil for evil, mutual exchange, that type of stuff will strip you of rewards. And so we don't want 
to be vengeful. Could I get an amen? We are to pray for those that persecute us. Have we ever thought of that? I'll tell you some of the things I've thought about in my life was that I would like to be able to go up to people's windows in their bedrooms and appear like a demon in the window. And I would like to say, I just wanted to visit you because I know where you're going. You're going because you have done Peter Dosak wrong. God has sent me to warn you, though there is no repentance for you. I mean, that's what I think. I don't do that. So you have demons showing up at your window. That's, that's a, your problem. I, I mean, I wouldn't do that. And so we have to make sure that we don't recompense. It says, Acts 12, 19, Beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give God a place. In other words, rather taking vengeance or recompensing, justifying yourself, instead of you putting and taking matters into your own hands, give God a place. In other words, open the door for God. Now see, God wants to be involved in your mess. Doesn't matter how long you've been there or why it came, God wants to be involved in your mess. But you're going to have to give him a chance. You're going to have to wait on the Lord. And something supernaturally happens when you wait on the Lord. You renew your strength. I mean, there is a divine transformation when you put things in God's hand. And you try to handle them your own way, you're going to run into problems. And then Paul tells us that we are to make sure that if somebody does us wrong, that we forgive them in the person of Christ. God will help you not to hate, not to be divisive, not repeat matters, not to be involved in things that have no eternal substance of good but can cost you your reward. Give it to God. Well, how long do I have to wait? I don't know. What has to be dug out? See, it's not just them. You are involved in the mess. And sometimes God has to clean us up. Could again, amen. And so, it's kind of like this. Have you ever been in tribulation and complained about it? Does it do any good to complain? No. You aren't going to shorten tribulation. It's a season. What's going to shorten the season is that you rely on God in the middle of it. And if you really understood tribulation, you wouldn't be sad in it because tribulation will allow you to experience God in a way that you have never experienced him before. Do you think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have known Jesus as the aspect the asbestos man, if they would 
have caved in? Do you think that Daniel would have known him as the lion tamer if he had not stood fast? And the list goes on and on about people that have come through life, come through storms, come through hardships, where they've been hated, where they've been persecuted, pressure been put on them, things that have been said about them. You know, all the time it happens, and it can happen at a whim. But what we can't do is get vengeful. Could I get an amen? So wait on the Lord. In other words, bind yourself to God's ways. Just wait on the Lord. Remember, we don't take vengeance on our enemy. We deliver food to his house and water. Not enough to drown him, just enough to quench his thirst. Amen? All right. That's the first thing that I wanted to talk to you. And so we want to make sure that we stay away from vengeance. But Jesus is there to help you. He's there to bring you through. And you can't come out of this world without some type of prejudice or hatred because it's taught and it's instigated everywhere. Amen? The second thing, let's go to John, the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. This lady... is a woman that I don't know how she was married five times. I don't, maybe she was a widow, widower one time. But who in the world would have married a woman that had been divorced four times and not wonder what was wrong with her? I'm just saying. And if a man was married four times, wouldn't you wonder what was wrong with him? Well, I've had all bad women. Okay. That, that's a great story. Someday when I've got a day to do nothing, I'd like to hear your story. Though it probably is not true. But John, the fourth chapter, and it says this, and he began again to teach by the seaside. There were gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship, sat there in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Mark the fourth chapter. You're just following along, right, Phyllis? Hallelujah. John, the fourth chapter, I'm sorry. And when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees and Sadducees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judah and he departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, some place that was messed up. Samaria was messed up. Then cometh him to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parch of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
And now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied and with his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman, a Samaritan, to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of the Samaritans unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria? And the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, Thou knewest the gift of God, who is that saith unto thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and of his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto them, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a living water springing up unto everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, and I thirst that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, Thou, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five, five, five of them rascals of husbands, and he whom thou now hast is now not thy husband, and that thou sayest truly. What kind of mess do you think this woman had after being married five times? Just think. Have you ever noted, known someone that went through a divorce? and maybe didn't handle it the way that God wanted them to handle it. They ended up bitter. They ended up, after being married again, saying, well, I just can't trust him because of my first husband. You got rid of the first husband. I'm not your first. I'm a second. But divorce leaves scars. This woman was deeply wounded. Can you imagine walking through a street and being known as the woman that had five husbands and shacking with maybe the possibility of number six coming into her life? What do you think that she was like? You, many of you have experienced divorce. You know, people say all kinds of things about divorces. Well, you know, divorce is sin. Liar, liar, pants on fire. The Bible never said divorce is a sin. You said that. If I was you, I'd check with God before I became his unrighteous mouthpiece. 
just a thought. You don't know what causes divorce. I don't know if this woman married five alcoholics. Now, you would think that doesn't happen, but people, sometimes their personalities attract certain things. Like I can go fishing and not even get a bug bite. Phyllis walked out of the house, and you can see the gray swarm gathering. You, you know, it, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's rotten meat, but I, I, there's something in her skin, she says. But they attack her, but they don't attack me. I'm sweet. The Lord protects me. And since God's so busy on me, he doesn't quite get everything that comes Phyllis's way. But I'm just telling you that thing, people attract different personalities. Some people that have been in an abusive marriage enter right into another abusive marriage. And it doesn't matter what you tell them, they can't help themselves. Can't help themselves. They just do it. Well, what if this woman had an alcoholic husband that was abusive? Maybe she had five husbands that were pedophiles with her children. You don't know. I don't know. Jesus wasn't interested in what brought her there. He was interested in the brokenheartedness of this woman. She had no self-value. Think about insecurities. Oh, I wonder if I wasn't pretty enough. I, I wonder if, if I wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe I didn't cook enough. Maybe I didn't this. Maybe I didn't that. And the list goes on. Listen, divorce brings up whys and comparisons and things like that that people should never be faced with. But it happens. And so we as a church are not to look down our nose at people that have been divorced. And I, I say this not in a funny way, but in one way I do mean it. You know, sometimes we prove all things and we prove that what we got is not what God wanted. Some people get in hardness of heart that they can't get beyond. You say, well, God still hates divorce. Hate is not sin. But what if somebody got hardness of heart? Which is worse, the condition of the hardness of the heart or staying in a marriage where both people are opposed to each other? I've always said I wouldn't stay in a loveless marriage. I wouldn't stay in a sexless marriage. I, I, why? When the boundaries are drawn definitely of what each is to do to protect the other from Satan's temptations. Yet Christians all the time, just like the world, like this, don't like this, and, da, da, and so they redefine what they think 
marriage responsibility is. Phyllis has two lips. I expect her to use them as much as she can on me. So, I want you to realize how wounded and how hurt this person was. Now, what did Jesus do with this woman? He didn't stay away from her. He's not like us uh, grocery shadows. You know, we go to the grocery store, we see somebody say, oh, Lord, because we're afraid of their problems. Listen, you're well equipped to deal with problems. I'm telling you, you can help anybody. Anyway, what did Jesus do? He sat down there. Why was he sitting there? He was waiting for somebody. He was waiting to get involved in somebody's mess. And he got involved in that woman's mess. And Jesus, no matter where you are or what you're going through, Jesus is seated someplace around you waiting for you to give him a place. And what you have to do is you have to relinquish your control to trust God. You just got to let it go and let God work it out. Remember, Jesus was anointed by God to heal the brokenhearted. What was he anointed for? For people just like this woman. For people just like people that are facing a desire to recompense, filled with wrath, disappointment, dislike, division. That's who Jesus wants to find. And he wants you to give him place. Don't be ashamed of where you're at. Just don't end up being ashamed that you stayed there. And so let's you and I make sure that we allow Jesus to get in our messes. Don't hide from the issues that you have in your life. Because if you ever hide from them, They'll just grow in darkness. Amen? Now, if you have issues with people, with money, whatever, you know what? Why don't you just give Jesus an opportunity to clean up your mess? Just to clean up your mess. I was thinking today in Joshua 2, 1 through 3, about a woman named Rahab. Everybody knows who Rahab is. That amazes me that God is not detoured by her past or even his encounter with her the first time through two spies about her present condition. She was a whore. She was a prostitute. She was a woman loose. I don't know if she'd ever been married. I don't know she maybe have been forced into prostitution because of financial pressures or reasons. I don't know. I mean, I've met people that have been in the gay lifestyle because 
There was no place for them to live. And if a Christian would have offered them a home, they may never have went into that lifestyle. But we're very selective in our generosity. And so you don't know how Rahab became a whore. But it says that she was a whore, a prostitute. During that prostitution, she may have been beaten up. Maybe by the one that was selling her or by the one that was using her. She was probably raped, abused, taken advantage of. Men would make snide remarks. Women would scorn and look down on her. She didn't have such a glorious life. I remember when Nikki was young, we would drive to a Chinese restaurant. We would go down, what is the name of that street? Have you been back there since, Nikki? Okay. And she said, well, I know what I want to be in life. I said, oh, well, great, what is it? She said, I want to be a streetwalker. I thought, Phyllis, what have you been teaching her? Well, Nikki thought their clothes were classy. So she thought, if I'm a streetwalker, that's the kind of clothes I get. And you can have them because you can afford them, I guess. So anyway, she grew out of that. Thank God she grew out of that. But you think about all of the past memories of this woman, Rahab. Her first encounter that unveils her faith in God is that she meets two Jewish spies. And she invites them into her house. Her first act of faith is, the God that you serve, I believe. And so she hides them. They know who she is. But they really don't condemn her. And they don't say, well, we wouldn't allow that in Israel. We wouldn't allow that. We just don't do that stuff. Well, they never talk like that. They never shunned her. But her statement of faith in God is what these two men banked their safety on. Now, out of this, they made a covenant, an agreement with Rahab. They said, now, Rahab, when we come to this city and God gives it to us, them not knowing where the wall was going to fall or anything, they said, when you show us that, when you get, when you see that, make sure you get all your family into this house. Remember, they were saying this. If you believe God, you and your household shall be saved. That's what they told Rahab. And they said, and what we want you to do out of this vast city we want you to hang a scarlet thread out of the window. 
Now, I don't know where these two spies were going to be in the line as they walked around Jericho. I don't know. But I do know this, that that little scarlet thread, which was a symbolism of the blood of the Passover lamb, that as she hung it from that window, as the walls of that city began to shake when they walked around it seven times on the seventh day and shouted that everything shook except that one apartment. And it held true because the blood always makes a way when there is no way. I don't know if they told Joshua the story or the covenant, but God heard it. And out of this, everything that Rahab was, was washed away. When she comes out of the city, she is not perceived, oh, here comes the Jericho whore. That was never said. Here comes a prostitute. I guess they're just going to contaminate everybody. If one person can contaminate everybody, we're all lost. Because there are people in this congregation that are Christians, but they haven't arrived. I'm among them. I've got flaws. You've got flaws. My microscope makes sure it's bigger than mine so I feel a little bit better about myself. But all of us have flaws. But our flaws are not big enough or considered wrong enough to allow people that have the same thing to come in and to be welcomed. Oh, Rahab, when she come out of that apartment, she was a new creature. And old things were passed away, and Rahab's past was never reminded. In fact, after being reminded, guess what? She became a part of the lineage of the son of Jesse. She become a part of the lineage of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, a harlot. Jesus' lineage is made up of some bad-looking characters. David, the whoremonger. Bathsheba's wife, child, out of wedlock child that died the list goes on and God used people just like he's using people today what God wants you to see is this I am the mess fixer now you can handle your own messes if you want but I'm telling you they'll do nothing but get worse you know, everything produces after its own kind.
you got a mess, is going to breed messes. So if you just let Jesus, give him a place, get yourself out of the pilot seat and let Jesus start taking control. Do just what he said to do. And then wait. Because as God is dealing with these things we've talked about, guess what? There is a transformation taking place. And you're going to be renewed in your strength. You're going to mount up with wings as of eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. Listen, what is that telling you? is that God is going to change who you were when you went into these messes and he's going to make you a testimony when you come out of them. Amen? That's what God is going to do. So you can handle your own messes. But I would encourage you. Jesus is sitting someplace to help you. There is that covenant of that scarlet thread that he says, just trust in the blood. The woman that was just totally destroyed by wrong choices, five husbands, Jesus has dealt with worse than you're dealing with where you are. And then, don't try to get vengeance. Just know this. Recompense and vengeance belongs to God. And he will repay. I never wish that paycheck up on anybody. But the truth of the matter is that nobody is going to get away with anything that they've done against another. Christian or saint. So, let's today let Jesus into our messes. He's a master of family messes. He had some of them of his own. His brother didn't like him, didn't believe in him, but his mother did. He had division in his own family till after his resurrection. So I'm just telling you, whatever your mess is, Jesus is here to fix it, to fix it. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Where is Jessica that Nikki had up here? Are you here, Jessica? She's in the youth. All right. Put this on this tape so that she can listen to it. That God says that he has seen her labor and he has seen her struggle. He has saw her ups and downs. She, he has saw her, as it were, put a knee on the ground, but to rise again. And he said he is about to take the clots out of the field that she's laboring in. And God is about to make something smooth out of something very rough. And today is the day 
and he is changing that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lincoln, you little rascal, you. I would never do this in a thousand years. But I'm telling you, Lincoln, that God told me today is the day that he is about to change and to reset the chessboard. He's about to put things back into order and he's going to give you wisdom to strategically maneuver through the game or the boards of life. And God's gonna prosper you and God's going to use you and he's going to make his voice clear to you. God has seen your season but seasons change, seasons come and go, and now the season is coming to an end. Never doubt that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, Lincoln, God is going to be faithful to what he has said to your life and about you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands up just for a moment here. God, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We know, love God, that you love every individual, yellow, black, or white. Everybody is very precious in your sight. God, you have a plan and a purpose for every person that is here. Someone is just uh, I don't know if you've left the church, but you just came out of that church because it hasn't been a split, but it's sure been close to it. And you've left that just because of the stress of it. And I would say God is going to heal you, God is going to mend you, and God is going to establish you. Your tree of righteousness, and he will plant you, and he will make you healthy again in Jesus' name. Now, if you are here today, and you're not a Christian, you're here today, and maybe you're lukewarm, you're cold, you're indifferent, Maybe you just drifted from God because there's just been too many things going on in your life. Well, the greatest thing that can happen to you is that you get connected to Jesus Christ. He's here to save the sinner, and he's here to rejoin himself with the backslider. So if you're here today, I'm going to do it a little different. I'm going to pray for you, and then right after the service, I'm going to ask you to quickly head down here and meet me right here at this altar so that I can greet you personally as being a part of the family of God. Let's everybody pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died on the cross, shed his blood, and he died for my sins. 
I believe, God, that after three days, you raised him from the dead. And he is now alive. Now, Jesus, I declare my surrender to you as Lord of my life. Come into my heart, and I thank you that I am saved, that I've been cleansed, and that as you have died for me, I will now live for you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the Lord of my salvation. Amen and amen. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday night.